The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It's taken a long time, but a bill that mandates sexual assault training for judges has passed in the House of Commons. It was originally brought forward as a private member's bill by former interim conservative leader Ron Ambrose. It stalled at the Senate and failed to pass before the 2019 election, but was reintroduced by the Liberals and has now made its way back to the Senate. Now, earlier this year, Justice Minister David Lametti and Ms. Ambrose talked about the importance of this bill. This bill is designed to strengthen training requirements for judges and provide them with important insight into the myths and stereotypes that too often surround sexual assault. Indeed, in this day and age, it is critical that all of us who serve the public are equipped with the right tools and understanding to ensure that everyone is treated with the respect and dignity that they deserve. This will help enhance the confidence of survivors of sexual assault and the Canadian public more broadly in our justice system. It's really about making a promise to victims that if they actually have the courage, which is it's a very courageous thing to do, to report their sexual assault, that if they in fact get to trial, that the person presiding over their case, the judge, that whether it's a woman or a man presiding over this case, actually is competent in sexual assault law. And it's shocking to find out that, in fact, just last year, the Supreme Court overturned two cases where judicial error occurred in very basic issues of sexual assault law. The Court of Appeal in Alberta has overturned four cases where judges made errors in sexual assault law. So this is a very basic law. Mary Jane James is the CEO of the Sexual Assault Centre of Edmonton. Mary Jane, welcome back to the show. Hi, Jaylene. How are you? Well, I I am good. Uh, I am very good, Mary Jane, and I'm thinking to myself, I'll be better when this gets through the Senate because it's taken a very long time. Oh, my goodness. Me too. I've been watching this and since Rona Ambrose uh, championed uh, this wait well three years ago it seems like a lifetime ago after what we've been through over the last nine months but uh, mm-hmm. yeah and she really 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 fought hard and as you know it got stalled in the sentence in the Senate at that time over the you know judicial independence or the perception of judicial independence and that argument I think they they, they uh, you know discussed it, that issue at length and I hope that the senators now realize that you know judicial independence should not and will not be compromised by having the judges trained on the basic uh, aspects of, of sexual assault and the law that that associated with that. So that's my hope. Uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> Mary Jane, you know, this goes back, if I remember correctly, I think it was, you know, maybe back into 2013, 2014, and we were all shocked when we heard uh, Federal Court Justice uh, Robin Camp say to an alleged victim of sexual assault, why couldn't you just keep your knees together? And I think that there was a collective, what the... What? what? <laughs> I can't say what I was going to say. You know what I was going to say. But, you know, and, and so you've been watching. I mean, this is this is part of your work. You know, you have seen this over and over again. And we're not painting every judge out there with the same br- brush, but there are challenges out there. We talk about rape myths and about the myths surrounding uh, sexual assault uh, survivors and those who come forward. I mean, what have you seen? What have you witnessed with cases over the years? Oh, my goodness. Everything and, and anything. But what I could 
start off by telling everyone that, um, you know, for many survivors, uh, navigating the legal system following a report of sexual assault is an incredibly difficult and violating process. So here you are in the court, you've experienced a, a harm that is arguably one of the most egregious that a person could could experience and you're sitting there and you're telling and you're retelling the minutiae details of that experience over and over having it called into question every little single thing you say and so we've been told by clients of ours that the experience of having to go to court as a survivor of sexual abuse was worse in some ways than the experience itself and and you know that says a lot and i think it's really difficult in our country to understand just how prevalent this issue is and how few reports of sexual violence ever end up in charges being laid and on top of that of the charges that are laid how many of those result in a conviction in fact statistics would say that less than one in ten and a lot of that i have to say not all of it but a lot of it is due to the judge's error and allowing um biases implicit unconscious biases whatever what you what you want to call them or you know allowing the um the perception of systemic racism and systemic discrimination to filter into their judgment so thus you know you're looking at the survivor in the case of robin camps um uh this was the survivor in that case and that young girl was a marginalized uh indigenous person and i firmly believe that that, that judge camp allowed that systemic racism and systemic discrimination to flow into his uh his thinking so you know, we know um, that uh, sexual violence is indeed rooted in systems of oppression. Uh, we know that for sure, including, of course, misogyny, but also racism, transphobia, homophobia, ableism, you name it, it's all there. And that it is one of the most underreported crimes in Canada. Uh, they say, according to a study that ASAS, Alberta Association of Sexual Assault Services, did last spring, 97% of sexual assaults are not reported. Wow. And many of the reasons for that are the, are the fear, is the fear of the judicial and of the legal system. Seeing what happens, seeing Robin Camp say that, seeing the judge in Halifax say, you know, the drunks, quote unquote, can consent and and then we just had our own gong show yep. here in edmonton with the mcknight case so you know why would you if you've experienced that why would you put yourself through that but so i think if we can get the judges to at least learn all of the nuances and all of the very specific uh things that contribute to the the, the sexual assault experience we would have a higher degree of conviction and we would have a higher number of people coming forward because their fear might be alleviated a bit.
Mary Jane, we know that uh, th that part of this would see judges have to have have the added training um, and 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 also to have continuing education seminars offered on matters related to sexual assault law and social context. Do you do you know or have any idea right now on where that training is going to come from? Because I think that that's a pretty important part of this as well. That's a great question, and we we don't know exactly, but what we have been told, it will not be advocates like myself and other advocates across the country and sexual assault centers be providing this training, which I think is a good thing, because, of course, we come at it from a lens, police come at it from a lens, yeah. Crown prosecutors, we all want the same thing, but we're all advocating in a maybe slightly different way. So we're told that the judicial or judicial organizations themselves would be responsible for creating and delivering uh, the actual training content. And I think that's a good thing. I think that they can do that uh, very well. They have a lot of smart people around. And and I think we have to be, be aware that, you know, a lot of lawyers who are defending these cases haven't had any of these training themselves and then there a lot of them are going to go on to sit on the bench so I think the earlier you can intervene with getting that training in front of these legal scholars and professionals who know a ton a lot more than me about a lot of things but when it comes to this issue a lot of them don't know what they need to know to be fair and, um, you know, transparent and uh, and reasonable when they're when they're doling out these uh, these sentences. When I'm doing research on this bill, I was a little surprised to, to, to read this, that it, it amends the criminal code to require judges to put their reasons for decisions in sexual assault proceedings on the record. I was like, what? what? That, that's not happening already? I, I, I was surprised by that. You know, and surprise, surprise. Um, so was I. I mean, who knew that you didn't have to defend? Who knew that you didn't have to defend your decision? Right. Uh, but, but you know, we we live in a, a different world than them. But I'm telling you, Jaylen, we have got to get this right this time. This this yep. this issue is spiraling out of control at a level that we've never seen before. And we have to somehow, and it starts there. Maybe if the, the folks out there in our community and, and in all communities who are committing this type of harm and crime realize that if they do, and if there are charges laid, there's a very good chance they're going to be held accountable for the, for the crime that they committed. And until that, what people are perceiving is that, ah, it's a he said, she is said, there's no proof, it was consent, I thought she was into it. All of those things we hear all of the time. I spent all of the week of October 26th with some of my colleagues at the uh, Edmonton Police Service headquarters. Uh, we have a new uh, collaboration where we're going to be given access. Uh, we were trained, believe me, uh, in, and, in giving access to all files which resulted in no charges being laid for whatever reason every quarter. So we sat in a room, caged, couldn't get in, couldn't get out, uh, for all week, eight hours a day, reviewing 237 files where charges, which did not result in charges. So the reports did not result in charges. And it was gobsmacking to me. Uh, what what I read in some, not, not against the police. I think in the for the most part they did a really good job. They tried, but it is so hard. And when when they were interviewing some of these 
I, I hate the word alleged, but I better use it just to be political, politically correct, alleged perpetrators. You know, it, it's just, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times we have to say if someone is impaired by alcohol or drugs, they are not able to give consent. Full stop. Criminal code states the same. But then you take that and you try to prove that and you try to get evidence from a person who was impaired by drugs or alcohol and you've got the person on the other side saying, oh, no, yeah, no, that was consensual. No, no, she was into it. No way. It's really hard for the police to take that and get a charge laid. So when they do, what we really want is for that small percentage of people to get a sentence that reflects the severity of the crime. Mary Jane, do, do police need better training on this front? Well, they do train their staff, they do, and I think once the staff get to the detective level, so the serious sex crimes level, to me they're all serious, but I understand that they have to, to categorize them and say the same. They, they're really, really, really experienced, and they know what they're doing and they know what they're looking okay. for. I would say that some of the newer, perhaps, constables on the street don't have as much training as they should have, but they're trying. They're making steps every day, and particularly judgment fees, very or, or Chief McPhee, I should say, is, is very much a supporter of getting the necessary training because he recognizes and everyone recognizes within EPS and all police services that this is an underreported and overactive, <laughs> overactive crime of harm. Before I let you go, when I, I played that clip with Justice Minister Lametti and Ms. Ambrose uh, off the top of the interview, some of the words that I wrote down um, as I was listening to it were, you know, that, that jumped out of me, that, that stuck with me, were respect and dignity, the confidence of survivors, it's a promise to victims that we'll have competent judges. All of those things, to me, stand out. And if that happens moving forward, this is going to to be beneficial to help victims get through this process top to bottom and, and and as you said this this process that is just so incredibly incredibly difficult in the first place oh Jillian, absolutely and it will also instill confidence in the public that some of those missing stereotypes that they have you know formulated in their minds and hearts over the years are just not going to be listened to at that level so you know the fact that someone called or texted the person who harmed them the next day the fact that they didn't report for 20 years the fact healing and reporting and the process of that is not linear and everybody's journey is different and we have to understand that we can't take those things into equations and assume that they would have reported right after it happened or they would never have texted the person who caused them harm those are those are just fallacies which we just have to have to understand that that they do not play a part in what actually happened to that person yeah there's a lot of learning to be done uh, by just the general public as well mary jane thank you for joining me always good to talk with you thank you so much you as well take care jane yeah, take care. Mary Jane James, who is the CEO of the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton.